0: hi i'm isaac your podcast host and welcome to this undefined the podcast that aims to break down the social context of what you've heard and what you believe from health culture business and beyond no topic is left off the table so tune in as we try to make sense of how we all define our own perspectives and the people who have an opinion about it our next series revolves around recovery self-care requires practice The mindset to look past our own judgment over our body and mind teaches us more about ourselves than we care to realize. In fact, recovery allows us the space to center our focus from all the time and energy we've used to live out our expectations. For like most things in life, it's how we recover from our actions that make all of our efforts even more worthwhile. Our guests in this series will highlight different methods we can all be mindful of applying. Now, with that in mind, this is CVD with guest Kirsten Thornhill. So this will be kind of just how we're doing now. It's very uh, conversational. Um, That's kind of how I like to learn as well. And I I think it's an easier way to kind of bring up topics, because you kind of go into like personal stories and all of that. Um, But I also like to ground conversations. And that's why the name of the podcast is called This Undefined, because I feel like a lot of the times people's experiences uh, kind of define how they want to approach a topic. And so um, I want to have people in research who know how to ground a conversation with someone so that they know exactly what they're asking, really. Right. And Uh, so uh, before we begin, um, who are
1: you? I I actually was just talking to someone about how do we describe ourselves? How do we show up? Um, Is how we view ourselves what we actually are? Mm. Um, And... Five years ago, I would have told you that I was X, Y, and Z based on my occupations. Mm. Um, And I think now I would say I'm a very grounded, outdoorsy human that loves to learn. Mm. Um, That's kind of how I would describe myself. Um, But by the textbook definition, I'm a researcher. I'm an adjunct professor. um, I work in the cannabis industry as a research and development writer. Um, but I like to think of those things as sure. They're like occupations, but they're things that each fill my individual cups for mm-hmm. knowledge, for sharing, for giving back, for education. Um, those things don't define me, but there are things that bring me so much joy that I hope I can share that and shed light on that to others. Um, mm. you know, cause if, at the end of the day, if I didn't have those, would I be a little sad? Yeah. Because I love to learn and I love to share things, but would I, would I still be like holistic and centralized to who I am as a person? Absolutely. So yeah, I'm technically a PhD student. Um, I'm getting my PhD in health sciences, uh, human and sport performance, but I'm specializing in cardiovascular physiology. Mm. Um, I'm a residential research assistant here at Rocky Mountain university where, where I also go to school. Um, in the Exercise and Human Support Performance Lab. I am an adjunct professor at Utah Valley University in the biology department. I teach physiology and I have worked in the cannabis industry on accident for the last two years uh, where I'm a scientific advisor slash CBD and cannabis educator for a CBD company based out of San Diego.
0: How does that happen on accident? I feel like yeah, there's a story there. So
1: <laughs> it's it's a really good story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it seems very yeah. on brand for C B D to like fought on accident. I kind of went into it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I was finishing up grad school. So I was doing my master's in San Diego and uh, a friend of mine who had did done his master's the year before me at that university. And when he left the lab coordinator position, he was the one that trained me because I came in and took the position after him. So he came into the lab one day and he's like, Kristen, I have some questions for you. And I said, OK, uh, he's, he said, you like to read research, right? I said, yes, I'm going to read it all. <laughs> uh, and he's like, and you like to write, right? And I was like, yes, i love to write. And he's like, OK, well, I might have a job for you. I was like, okay, where I get to read research and write. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, Um, it's this company called Nanocraft Sciences. They're they're based out of San Diego. And they're looking for someone with our background that can kind of talk about what's going on in cannabis and CBD research in layman's terms. And I go, I don't know anything about cannabis or CBD. But he goes, but you like to read research and you like to write. And I was like, yes, yes. Mm. Um, So he connected me with this company. And I just said, I don't, I don't know anything about cannabis or CBD, but I'm very interested. And they're like, great. We'd love for you to start kind of doing some blogs and writing for our company about what you're pulling from the research. What does it say? You know, if your mom or dad asked you to describe what it is, I want you to write like that. Mm. And so at first I was like, okay. Um, so then I did a little bit of that, kept kept doing it. And I was like, wow, I'm actually... Getting to learn a lot mm-hmm. um, and learn about what's going on clinically, what's going on in the human and sport performance world with using holistic alternatives. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just got the wheels turning for me. And then I started zooming in and kind of training their new hires on uh, cannabis education, you know, what claims we can make, certain things we can say, resources we can provide to people. Um, Because a lot of what we do at Nanocraft Sciences is we work with professional and recreational athletes Mm. um, that utilize our products and, you know, promote them on social media or their branding, um, but also provide our athletes an understanding of what they're using um, and, like, providing some educational resources for them. So fast forward, I I continue to work through them through the pandemic, and I kind of said, I'm moving to Utah, you know, (laughs) can I work them out? And they're like, Mm. sure. And I said, okay, but you know, if I start school and um, research and it becomes too much, I, I don't know if I can work for you guys anymore because even though I enjoy what I'm doing here, like my school, you know, needs to come yeah. first. Um, so fast forward, I've worked for them for over two years now, not a day goes by that I'm not thinking about cannabis and CBD,
0: it's <laughs> a-
1: consumed me in the best way possible. Wow. And so now I'm blending my, my accidental side job with my education and background It's sport performance. And I'm hopefully going to be looking at the effects of cannabis and CBD on muscle recovery in athletes. So I'm mm. like the kid that you take into the pet store that sees all the puppies.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I love
1: puppies. I want them. Um, so now I'm blending hopefully kind of seamlessly. I'm sure it's going to be roller coaster, but blending something that turned into something I didn't know I'd love. And I'm blending yeah. it with my, my background. So that's
0: that's cool. I like how organically that happened for you where it wasn't even I mean, in your radar, because what was um, your perception of CBD before? And like cannabis and all that, like, well, well yeah. did you think about it like that ever? Or?
1: Um. So no, I, I didn't try it till I was probably in my early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, went through DARE in elementary middle school, mm-hmm. like saying other drugs. And of yeah. course at the time, like that's considered a drug, a gateway yeah. drug.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but growing up, I was, I am still really close with my dad's mom, my Nana, and she had breast cancer. Um, I must've been really young, um, but she utilized cannabis for during her chemo treatment like that. Mm. And that, I think was a very great beginning stage for cannabis usage you know Mm -hmm. it became more normalized to use it with cancer patients to reduce you know um, chemo symptoms and so that was kind of my first exposure I didn't really know much about it but I know she used it um, and that was always shed in a very positive light so then growing up you know she would kind of talk about it or like how much it helped her and so the good thing is that was kind of the first experience in association with cannabis. So then when this company, you know, starting to talk to this company, I'm like, cool, I've only heard, you know, this positive experience from somebody who's really close to me. I would love to learn more about this because maybe it can help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was definitely a very, very positive introduction to that.
0: Upon reading a little bit about you, you in some of your blogs, you you have a fitness and health background in terms of bodybuilding, right? What about bodybuilding was the experience that exactly helped you seek help through wellness practices such as therapy or medicine and now CBD? Yeah.
1: So um, I played sports my entire entire childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, So the competitiveness was kind of always something that was ingrained in me. And I think a little bit of my personality is kind of a fire. So it, sports mm-hmm. just always worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then college came and I, I wasn't playing competitively anymore. And I, I played softball, basketball, volleyball. I golfed. Um, and so naturally, I, I started getting into the gym. I think that was becoming a trending thing when I was in college too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I loved it. Cause I was like, wow, I can push myself. And instead of a coach, you know, telling me what to do, I can figure out how to do this and I can push myself harder tomorrow. If I want, I can take a rest day if I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of created that as my sport. Um, and I, I met a girl at the gym who was a competitor and I thought, Oh, how cool. I didn't know I could take it that far.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: then the addiction began because I loved the structure That it reminded me of going to softball practice, going to shooting drills for basketball. Like It it was a very seamless thing coming from such a structured childhood. So I was a bodybuilder through college. And I think that was the reason I went to grad school, because I did it all wrong. Mm. And I say that um, because I swallowed a really hard pill. Mm. I ended up very sick after my last show because my kidneys started shutting down um, because I was severely anorexic, severely um, dehydrated. Mm. I was maybe 9% body fat. I oh. was just skin and bones. Um, yeah. And it was that my last show, my mother came, which she was never in support of what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. Cause she said, you know, I think you're getting too skinny or, you know, you weren't hanging out with friends anymore, you know, and I would just brush it off. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, she doesn't know, she doesn't know how dedicated I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that last show, we were walking back to my car, but I was so weak. I couldn't stand. So I'm sitting on the ground in my nine shades of tan and a silk mm-hmm. bikini, you know? Um, and she just said, if you keep doing this, you're going to end your life. And she kind of started crying and walked away. And I, and I, Like, to hear that from my mother, it was just, whoa, what am I doing? And during that time, I was still in cognitive behavioral therapy. But in hindsight, my therapist was trying to evoke me to share my eating, to evoke how much I was obsessed with exercise. But I never alluded to it because, again, I was in this obsession. So I was protecting it. So, you know, I was only giving sprinkles of advice, sprinkles of what I was doing because I didn't want her to know how extreme I was because Mm. at the time I thought nothing was wrong.
0: I like that you kind of talk about it because it's a feel that you think, okay, bodybuilding does require discipline. So it teaches people about these positive things that could be in your life, but it can kind of take a toll and you can see how something technically healthy for you can take a turn.
1: Yeah. And so things are a lot easier in hindsight. If mm-hmm. We knew what foresight looked like. We wouldn't mm-hmm. do a lot of things. We wouldn't experience certain things. Yeah. So, you know, after that show, I ate a cheat meal like I always would, like the night after a show. Mm-hmm. And I was starving because mm-hmm. I was so depleted from nutrients, from water, you know, and then um, I had sodium, like I had a burger, and I blew up. Mm. which was a normal which is a normal thing after a show because your sodium depleted your water depleted you probably haven't Mm. had any carbohydrates Um, and I remember the next day I gained 18 pounds Mm. because I didn't have water like I was starving myself and I didn't leave the house for weeks because I was so embarrassed I thought people would think I was fat I wasn't the fit girl anymore Mm. and and this was a cycle this Mm. was every time I did a show every time I prepped, every time I bulked, every time I went into cutting season. And and this was just a thing that is part of the sport that no one tells you about or talks about. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of guilt and shame associated when you don't look your peak, when you aren't show ready, when you don't have the abs. Um, So after that last show, I went to my doctor at the university and I was like, I... I have eating disorders because I can't not track my food I binge I purge um, mm. and so I worked with her my therapist my psychological therapist at the school and the sports nutritionist at the school because mm. I was like everything kind of just hit me in the face with my beautiful mom's comment mm. but I was going to school for kinesiology I was this girl on Instagram that everyone knew was the fit girl. Mm -hmm. And there was such a period of embarrassment and shame because I was telling these people that I was so healthy and fit and happy and I needed help. So then I just like was very, very dedicated to, you know, still doing my studies. But I was in therapy twice a week. I saw my physician twice, twice a month. I saw the sports nutritionist once a week. I had to completely go back to ground zero because even though I was in school and was learning concurrently, you know, how would I work with a client with this for me to go through it and for me to teach someone else were two totally different things. Mm, Um, So, you know, how do I not count calories? What do you mean? I don't go to the gym three times a day. I had to completely rewire what is health Mm -hmm. um, because at that time I was so physically focused the mental health was non-existent. I just mm. pushed it to the back. I didn't care if I was starving. I didn't care if I didn't want social life. So that experience really made me appreciate the importance of wellness, mm-hmm. of mental health, of, okay, physically, how do I feel? Okay, I feel good, but mentally how do I feel? I feel great, okay, I'm good. Um, mm-hmm. And because of that experience and the wonderful help that I got, I was like, I need to go to grad school. I need to Mm -hmm. better educate myself so I can share with women what I went through and they never have to go through that. And I know eating disorders are very prevalent amongst men and women, Mm -hmm. but the culture Mm -hmm. that bodybuilding is and the fire that social media contributes to that, being fit, it's good, and you're healthy. And so society perceives it as this elite, beautiful thing, which, you know, it does work for some people, Mm -hmm. but the black holes and the gaps that aren't shown are are detrimental to people.
0: Yeah, because you sort of created a, a team for yourself, for your health and the direction you've taken now. Um, was that gradual for you? Because like, not everyone's like, okay, I'm going into this, I'm a nutritionist, I'm going into a therapist, I'm doing all these different people, because that seems yeah. sort of, over- can seem overwhelming, right? Because it's like, you have different people for different things. Did that clip for you easily because of your experience with loving research? Or was that something that you kind of had to gradually get to?
1: Yeah, it was definitely my psychological therapist okay. who encouraged me to see my position at the school, And I was like, well, how is she going to help? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're helping me work through the eating disorders Mm -hmm. and the body dysmorphia. And she's like, well, you know, we could see if there's underlying anxiety or depressive issues. Uh, I want her to do like monthly health checkups, like to see your weight. You know, are you eating? Check out, like just do physical health assessments for you. you know, and then she also recommended and connected me to, you know, connecting more with the sports staff that were in my department. Mm. Um, so she was a huge catalyst to help me like really seek my roots into the resources that we had at the university, which I'm so grateful for because at the time I was 22, 23, Mm. if I wasn't in college, could I have afforded that? No. Mm. If I would have known about those resources on campus, would I have gotten the help I needed? Probably not. Mm. So I'm, I'm so grateful that I was in a system that the one time I did speak up. There were options available to me.
0: Mm, that's cool. Very cool. Um, so, define CBD.
1: So, CBD, um, cannabis oil, is a non psychoactive part that is derived from the cannabis sativa L. plant. Um, it differs from THC which most commonly is because it's, it's non-psychoactive. THC is psychoactive. Mm-hmm. Um, how it's derived from the plant and the chemical makeup of it is what makes it non-psychoactive, as well as how the cannabinoid receptors interact with our body's receptors. And it's obviously catching a lot of traction mm-hmm. in the cannabis industry, in the news, in social media, whatever you call it. Um, but one of my favorite things to share is... CBD wasn't really the first thing that was discovered. It was actually CBN, which is cannabineral. But the hype that is coming with cannabis is, what's the saying? Any publicity is good publicity. I Mm want to kind of say that because I'm so excited it's getting out there. You know, it's being destigmatized. People are more open to it. Um, But at the same time, certain misconceptions can also still float around with Mm -hmm. cannabis itself.
0: Yeah, that was one of the reasons I want to have this uh, conversation is because there's different things that are derived from it. And then like that kind of gets a little bit confusing. So then people just kind of put it all into, you know, THC. So how did CBN start that?
1: Well, I couldn't tell you in much detail, but one of the first publications were in the 1960s and 70s, where this was a cannabinoid that was extracted from the cannabis plant and almost, quote unquote, like accidentally discovered. Um, and you know, THC Mm. was discovered short, like to follow shortly after, but at that time, this is all complete pioneering findings. Mm. You know, what is this? How does this even work? So in the literature from at least what I've seen the sixties and seventies, there is so much cannabis research coming out. Like, what is this? Is it helping Mm. with PTSD? Is it helping with veterans? Is it helping with depression? You know, what is the biochemical makeup? All of this, all of this work's coming out. Mm. You don't see as much in the eighties and nineties. Big pharma comes into play Mm, and big pharma is not making money off of cannabis. Mm -hmm. So you kind of see this fall of cannabis research in that time. And so kind of like history repeats itself. We're now seeing booming amounts of literature come out, which is so exciting. But in retrospect, just from like my perspective, I'm like, gosh, imagine if we would have had, you know, 20 more years of all of this funding. So researchers could continue to look at this in all different lights. how much further we'd be. Nonetheless, I'm still so excited about what's going on now. But we're still in infancy stages for what this could potentially do clinically for, for sport populations. Um, how we can use it, what amount. There's still so much that we don't know.
0: Something I really like about you is that you are, it depends research. That's what I kind of call them. Whenever you ask someone like (laughs) you and you say, it depends. And I love that answer because I think that's more accurate to what uh, someone's trying to ask because there's just so many nuances to to research. So what are some of the common misconceptions about CBD?
1: So the first is, well... Doesn't it get you high? Mm-hmm. And in layman's terms, I say no. It's it's like you're living in the same house and you have a stepsister. You're related by marriage because mm-hmm. you kind of live in the same house and you are, you know, coming from the same house, but you're binded by marriage. Not that, that that's probably a horrible analogy, <laughs> but no. you can you can come from the same thing. But when you walk out that door and you leave that house, you could be different. So that's like THC and CBD. THC has that psychoactive effect and the stepsister CBD doesn't, but they can still come from the same thing. So that's a misconception. And, and two, well, if, it's, if it comes from marijuana, how can, it, how can it not be? Um, a lot of CBD is derived from hemp, which contains 0.3% THC or less. So if there is any THC left in your CBD product, when it comes to your door, it is below levels of it, any type of intoxication. Mm. And, you know, people are skeptical because they're like, well, how do I know how much to use? Mm-hmm. How do I know what's a good product? Um, how do I know it's gonna help me for what I need? What if I have adverse reactions? And a lot of my responses are, these are all valid questions. Mm. And there's probably very few scientists or doctors or researchers that give you definitive answers for that because we're still in anecdotal stages where case studies are coming out, where, you know, we're working more towards randomized control trials. We are still trying to figure out these details. Clinically, CBD has been shown to have anti-inflammatory effects. It's been shown to help reduce some uh, chemotherapy symptoms in cancer patients. Those are more definitive things I can say because these are being shown in the literature however you know there's still a lot of research going on for CBD for pain for mental clarity relaxation a lot of those things are still in the process because there isn't a specific physiological metric we can define Mm. you know so and so reported having um, less anxiety induced feelings typically those studies are you know using questionnaires or qualitative approaches through interviews which of course can still be validated but a lot of the jargon we'll hear is well what physiological effect does it have what specific number or metric can you give me kirsten and i'm yeah. like that's the purpose of research because we need to be able to pin that down or talk about why we can't pin that down
0: um, yeah that's what i was going to ask because how much of a change happens for it to be so noticeable
1: right so I this was is wondering the, it, This is the, it depends cloud. Okay. So for example, clinical studies that have been done in in rats or mice, you know, and then they go into in vitro studies in humans. A lot of times what we see or what I've, what I've interpreted from what I've read is, you know, rats had a significant reduction in anxiety when given 600 milligrams of CBD, which is great because if I'm reading that study and I'm trying to tell somebody that it could potentially help with their anxiety, that's great. Mm-hmm. 600 milligrams is not a normal dose that a stranger mm-hmm. off the street's going to pick up a bottle and say, Oh, I'm going to take this. Most bottles, for example, if you're doing a teacher oil, mm-hmm. there'll be 750 milligrams in there. You are not going to take 600 milligrams <laughs> in one dose. No. Um, <laughs> You know, just because the 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 concept of contextualization is so important here, Mm, um, which is why I'm loving, at least from what I've seen on LinkedIn, is there is a lot more there are more physicians that are open to learning more about the cannabinoid system, learning more about how can we prescribe or recommend dosages to people because it's not a one size fits all. Yeah, um, which I feel I have a good relatability to because in the fitness or human performance industry, just because I prescribe you hit workouts three days a week for 75 minutes total, doesn't mean it's gonna work for Joe's mom who aerobically walks every week. Mm -hmm. Like I have to be able to provide personalization. Like, what are you looking for? What are your goals? And I have to drive that down this CBD route. Mm -hmm. Um, So an exciting thing for the research is, okay, These are the few things we can take from rat studies. These are the few things we can take from clinically supported um, effects that CBD has on these populations. And we're going to have to kind of include this for our methodology because us going into the humans for performance research area with CBD, it is like an open field.
2: Mm -hmm. we got to put
1: stuff down on paper. We're going to try things. Who knows if they're going to work or not, or if they're going to provide actual therapeutic support. We don't know. Are we using a topical? Are we using an ingestible? Are Mm. we using a vape? Um, There's so much opportunity to be able to find something, whatever that may be.
2: Um,
1: So the take home there, you know, when I talk to people about this is okay, Kristen, but physiologically, what is this going to do for my athlete? Which, which at the end of the day, of course, a coach is going to want to give their athlete something, especially if it's going to, potentially enhance recovery, they Hmm. need to know why they need to know what it's going to do. and so that's where we see this ambiguous thing right now is we know athletes are using cannabis. We know athletes are using CBD, but to what extent, what dosage, what is it doing? Are they doing it even though they know they're going to get drug tested? What does that look like? We have no idea. So physiologically, we've got a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. Do You you being a researcher, because <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to take that a little bit of kind of how I try to communicate things with my clients, is that I try to always introduce, look, there is an effect. There's positive research on this. Does it work for you? We have to try because you have to gradually introduce these things. Right. So there's so many layers and being able to communicate that with people is important mm-hmm. because then you have people who swear by it, but it could have just helped them more. Do you find that other researchers have that same mentality as you where it's like, I know that this is the research and then the application in real life and what are people going to do is a separate conversation?
1: Um, I haven't.
0: Oh, really? So
1: cannabis industry, how we talked about it's booming. Yeah. There isn't a person that has an MD or PhD in cannabis yet. I hope that becomes a program, but the rapid growth of this field is requiring all of us to come from an interdisciplinary approach. Mm. So pharmacists, uh, physicians that are going towards holistic medicine, uh, chiropractors, physical therapists, um, athletic trainers are all building upon like their CBD and cannabis knowledge. And we're going to be the ones that are going to be kind of making what, who is expecting, somebody's saying this how do we know it's credible they don't mm-hmm. have a degree in that you know like the kind of stereotypical things so we're kind of having to navigate and kind of shape wow. what we want it to be so i i've conversed with a few individuals that are kind of going towards this cannabis research cvd research that kind of have my background but it's kind of not a common thing from wow. from what i've connected with so far um
2: Wow. because
1: not much has really been done on it so okay. I that side job that I've continued to have I mm-hmm. just was thinking wow the more I can learn about this I can bring this into what I do because yeah. over time as I was you know researching and writing for nanocraft clinically what it's shown for this and that and x y and z I was like there's nothing on human and performance I have all of that background in human sport performance and I've just grown to love holistic medicine. What if somehow I can combine this into what I do for school and Mm -hmm. I can contribute to this body of literature that we know they're using it, but we don't have anything to to show on paper what it's doing to people yet. Yeah. So for some reason, that was just the light bulb of, okay, well I need to keep connecting with people in different fields. I need to learn about their background and what their perceptions are with Mm. this because we're going to have to lock arms and create this body of literature and create, you know, put stuff out there because we don't have a necessary foundation yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So professionals, whether they're in a a sports psychology base, they're coming from a pharmaceutical background or they're coming from a more, you know, human performance research background, like myself, we're going to have to have numerous tools in our belt about cannabis.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Interesting. I might be going getting a little bit ahead of myself, but because of the research, there's a lot of different types of products. And so that can kind of, uh, can be a positive and negative, I think. So does the type of product that CBD is in, does that determine its effect?
1: Potentially. So let's say we go into a pastry or bakery shop. Yeah. We go in with the intention knowing, oh, they're going to have bread. They're going to have cake. They're going to have cookies. I'm going to want what I want when I see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we go in and we get a cookie and it looks so good. And we taste it and we're like, ah, oh, it was okay. But then our friend got the same cookie and they thought it tasted so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we try the bread next time. We have a different experience. Yeah. So because cannabis and CBD, well, CBD isn't federally regulated yet. We have companies that can put one drop of CBD oil in a container with a 99% sunflower oil, and they can call it CBD and charge you $70. Other companies may have 50% CBD, 50% MC2 oil. They can call it CBD oil and they can charge you hundred bucks because there is such a lack of CBD education at the consumer level. People don't know how to navigate what's a good product. Mm -hmm. People don't know how to navigate what am I supposed to look for in CBD? What type of product do I take? They don't know how long it takes to ingest. They don't know the metabolic effects. And so that's why I've really liked this opportunity to share what are things you should look for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're taking an oral dosage, use it sublingually. It'll get in your system faster because it'll go through your bloodstream. Uh, If you want to take an edible, it may take anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours. Um, And even when I share this with friends or family, or if somebody sends me an email asking about this stuff, they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, great. I didn't know. And I'm like, this is exactly why I don't want to leave this space. Mm -hmm. Because if I can share this information, I hope it goes through the line. I hope you tell somebody, I hope you say, oh, I took this specific amount because my physician recommended it. And I feel the effects about in two hours. Mm -hmm. So you leave that pastry shop and you may have got something really great. You may have searched on Amazon for CBD and then maybe it's not so great. Mm -hmm. So it's really a rat's race until we get federal regulation for CBD. I do think companies will fall to the wayside once we do Mm -hmm. get federal regulation because they weren't doing quality of assurance checks, COAs uh, or QOAs. Certificates of analysis probably aren't being done, which also just shows uh, laboratory testing of what's in their products, what percentages, does it pass this regulation X, Y, and Z. The companies that are doing that will be good when it comes to things being federally approved because they're being transparent with their consumers. They're also showing specifically what is in their product and the companies that are gypping people or not, not doing all of this background work to ensure their products are safe are gonna dissipate.
0: So um, to kind of narrow it down a little more, this series that I'm doing currently is about recovery. So what is CBD and its relationship to recovery? And before that, I guess, what are like the benefits?
1: Okay, so potentially from anecdotal reports from athletes, and a qualitative project I did, um, I interviewed professional Olympic and collegiate athletes. And I asked them a series of interview questions about why they use it, what, what their be- benefits were, and all of them reported mental calmness, uh, relaxation. It helps, um, helps them relax post-practice. Um, depending if they used a topical, it helped relieve pain in certain areas. Uh, Again, these are all anecdotal from a project I did. Uh, But what was really interesting is across the board, the athletes reported mental calmness, less anxiety. So I'm like, okay, they're they're reporting mental metrics of improvement, hypothetically, Mm. Mm -hmm. which this is great. The physiologist in me wants to see numerical data. But I'm like, at the end of the day, if I perform a physiological study, which is hypothetically in my plan, because athletes were using it for recovery. And if can CBD improved DOMS, delayed on muscle soreness, mm-hmm. that's what I want to know. There have been a couple studies that have looked at the effects on DOMS, um, but those have, been, those have used psychological scales like questionnaires to determine that. Um, and there was a study 2020 at the University of South Carolina that individuals reported DOMS to be less severe at 48 hours, 72 hours, and 96 hours, compared to the group that didn't take CBD. But again, that was a mental perception.
0: Mm, okay.
1: So it may, may help reduce DOMS, but mm. that's the question I'm wanting to dive deeper into. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if there is no statistically significant effect of CBD on DOMS, but uh, my athlete reported mentally feeling calmer, less yeah. anxiety. Those are still great metrics I can take to a coach. And I'm like, your athlete felt more positive after that workout. And they reported being more mentally ready for the next one. You're still going to get a quality workout from that person. So in the aspects of recovery, physiologically, how can we do that? We can look at muscle biopsies. We can have them mm. use an isokinetic machine and have them um, do leg extension repetitions to failure. We can use questionnaires to ask if they're perceiving it's helping. Um, but then that kind of goes into the rabbit hole. Okay. If we want to research how it helps recovery, do we give them the CBD before practice? Do we give them the CBD after Mm -hmm. what dosage do we use a topical? Do we use an ingestible? And then it just leads us to this whole basket of what do we pick to look at first? Yeah. We know it's there, but we're kind of have a soup right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So um, I know a little bit of receptor talk. Can you kind of break that down a little bit in terms of what's happening to the nervous system when using CBD or any cannabis products?
1: Yes. So I, I know minimal amounts here. Okay. Um, But our body has an endocannabinoid system, which is commonly referred to as the ECS. So in a nutshell, this system helps to thermoregulate our body's core body temperature. This helps with inflammatory processes. And when I first start to share this or explain this to somebody, people are like, I didn't learn this in physiology. We have this system. Is it like the respiratory system, and the nervous system? And I'm like, yes but you haven't read about it or heard about it much because mm. it's still so new in the literature. I mean, there are some studies, you know, in the late 1900s, 60s, mm. 70s, 80s that start talking about this. Hypothetically, there are receptors in within this system, mm. uh, cannabinoid receptors that our body naturally has. And all of us have different levels of these in our system. Yeah. Uh, which potentially in the literature could be a reason why certain cannabinoids that we ingest or take affect us all differently because yeah. we could homostatically have different levels of cannabinoids already in our system. So th- there's a lot of cool research going on with that of like, what biologically do you have more of that? I don't. Um, so hypothetically we take uh, an oil sublingually. Mm. So it goes into the blood system the parts of the cannabinoid that are being ingested connect with our cannabinoid receptors. So the two most common receptors are cannabinoid receptor one, CB1, and cannabinoid receptor two, CB2. Hmm. So the cannabinoids that ingest connect with these receptors and they go off and connect with other receptors in our body. This Mm -hmm. is like a very general, this is like the minimal knowledge that I have of this. Um, Okay. Excuse me. And they provide hypothetical effects for the body, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, if we're using a topical and it's going transdermally, it's going to be localized to that specific area. Um, So how that process works and where it gets delivered to is still going on in research.
0: Mm, Um,
1: it's not something super well evidenced yet.
0: Okay. Because that my journey with CBD and just cannabis in general is I, um, always being inquisitive and curious about it and not really fully believing the hype, I guess, (laughs) only because I do that for myself in terms of like, okay, if I use it topically, if I take a tincture, if I do these things, I want to know for my body. And so whenever I try to explain, not just, I guess, CBD products, but I, I, anything that has to do with recovery. I try to preface it with people by saying, you know, your nervous system might respond well to this specific recovery option, but other people might respond to it differently. So somebody might have a good effect with temperature changes. And that's something that they should probably incorporate more in their life. Somebody might use uh, a massage gun, vibrational feeling on your body is good for your nervous system, but for someone else, it might not. Um, With CBD, is that something that people should take into consideration? And if so, how how can someone explore that?
1: Yeah, a lot of it is trial and error.
0: Okay. And
1: I would always recommend going low and slow. Whatever bottle of whatever you get should have a recommended dosage on the back. If not, you need to steer away from that product. Better safe than sorry. Take that in half. You'd rather take less and not notice the effects potentially. And the next day you're like, Oh, I took CBD. I wonder if I felt anything. Oh, well, maybe I was calmer, or I didn't feel anything. Taking that to consideration, you know, whether you just take a mental note or you write it down. Maybe the next time you take it, you take um, another capsule, or you add five milligrams on your on your glass uh, measurement squeezer, mm-hmm. um, and you kind of do it that way. Because again, yeah, I'll say it, it affects everyone differently. And certain dosages may not affect you at all, or you may feel very tired. I always preface it with telling people, you know, there are potential adverse effects, not as extensive as what you may get if you, over, if you take too much THC. Mm-hmm. Um, but what has been clinically reported with CBD is uh, lethargy, diarrhea, excessive laziness, tiredness, uh, potential vomiting, nausea. And those are things I will share with people. Like if you feel any of those, you may have taken a little too much, but again, it depends. And I am by no means a medical doctor. So I always say, if you're going to even attempt to do trial and error, talk to your physician first, Mm. they may not have a lot of knowledge on CBD or cannabis yet, but they do have knowledge on what medications you're currently taking your current Mm. uh, physical examination status, and they can prescribe something what's best for you.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: Hey, Sally, you know, I don't think you messing with cannabinoids right now is a, is a good idea because you're on beta blockers. You know, Mm -hmm. they can provide the pharmaceutical background to navigate you on if, if, or when and, or what dosage you should start on. So the good thing is I'm starting to hear that more physicians are becoming interested in learning more about cannabis because their patients are doing it or their patients are interested. And they're also just interested themselves. So I always, always refer that you talk to a physician. I don't know what medication you're on. I don't mm-hmm. know what dosage. Um, I also wrote an article about the potential effects of taking medication and CBD. There's a mm-hmm. lot we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of the tread lightly and like move slightly. It's kind of something I, I highly, highly recommend.
0: That's interesting because is it is there something that using CBD with any type of medication that that's not good, don't do that? Or is it still unknown because there's just not enough yet?
1: Yes and no. Um, Mm, So I'm interested physiologically to see if there's an effect on blood pressure. Some literature Mm. says taking CBD increases patient's blood pressure. Some say it reduces it, especially with the obesity and diabetic epidemic in our country. I'm really curious to see if CBD has a vasodilation effect. Can it potentially physiologically provide me a metric that it helps decrease patient's blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And if so, I would love to hypothetically, maybe in my future do some type of randomized control trial saying, okay, if I have this patient who's obese taking this blood pressure, blood pressure regulating medication compared to this obese individual who's in the same BMI range and I have them take CBD for the same amount of time, same dosages, I would love to see what happens in addition to doing some type of exercise intervention and Mm -hmm. dietary regulation or, you know, standardized diet, I would be so interested to see that Um, because maybe I can provide a physiological metric of there was, Mm -hmm. you know, two millimeters of mercury diastolic blood pressure decrease in this type of patients. But again, there's like some literature that says this and some that says that, which is just another exciting thing to work in research because I can contribute to that literature and whether I get A or B as my response, I'm still contributing. So physicians can articulate and form information from this and they can make their recommendations based off of this information that's continuously being put out there.
0: Cool. Now let's dive a little bit into sleep. Um, how does CBD affect someone's sleep and recovery during that time?
1: Yeah. So this, I have had athletes report taking CBD for sleep because it. Helps them fall asleep, helps them stay asleep. Um, They think they achieve a deeper sleep. Uh, Again, these are all anecdotal things, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which you can take lightly or not. I think for where we're at in the field right now, these things are great because it's it's some type of reporting to some extent. And again, sports psychology is growing so fast. I think these are really important opinions that we're getting from athletes that are clearly making them feel better which is so important, even though at the end of the day, you need to physically perform X, Y, and Z in your sport. Mm -hmm. The mental part of it is so important. So CBD has, like I said, has non-psychoactive effects, but there is a potential calming effect here, which may help people fall asleep depending what's in the effect. So a lot of sleep CBDs have melatonin in them, which holistically has been shown to help people with sleep. But again, with the no, si- no one size fits all approach, depending on our hormonal and metabolic regulation and levels, mm-hmm. some of us may have more melatonin naturally produced versus some of us that don't. So I've had like some individuals report, I took CBD to sleep, but person and I stayed up all night. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, some factors that could have came into that. Did you ingest caffeine? When did? You, when's oh. the last time you ate before you went to bed? Have you had water today? Um, mm. Were you worried and, and cognitively thinking about what it may potentially do to affect you? Like there are so many things that go into that, but CBD products that have CBN in them, which is mm. which is kind of becoming a hot cannabinoid. Um, so CBN cannabinero, it has some sedative effects, which is why it may pair nicely with CBD, Um, CBN is old THC. So through the distillation process, CBN gives off some leftovers and that can be in very, very small trace amounts, CBN, the cannabinoid CBN. Um, So it's kind of a middleman potentially cause it's has some sedative effects of THC. Cause it kind of comes from there, but it has a lot of the derivatives that CBD also has. So pairing that together for a nighttime sleep aid may be beneficial um, because you're not gonna get the potential psychoactive effects from THC. So that's something that more companies are getting into. However, CBN is very, very expensive. because it comes in such trace amounts. So then you also need to up the price of your CBD products because Uh, you're putting CBN in there. Um, And there's still not a lot of research on what that combination looks like. How does that affect sleep? But a lot of it's anecdotal that these two are kind of a nice ebb and flow because it gives some sedative effects, Mm -hmm. but it's not anything as strong as THC, but it's not as calm as CBD. CBD. Um, okay so there is a lot of potential for CBD to be an, an aid to sleep as okay. you know, sleep is a great restorative process for our body, whether we're mm-hmm. physically sore, we've had a long day, we get tired and we go to sleep, which is so great. Cause that's also when our body heals and recovers the best
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're, sitting, we're, we're out We're sitting still, no cognitive thought for the most part, just letting our body go through typical processes and healing and recovering for things. So CBD clinically being supported as an anti-inflammatory may help just in a holistic general body sense. When you're sleeping and your body's already recovering, this may just help your body breathe a little bit better.
2: Yeah.
1: but some individuals have reported waking up and feeling groggy or foggy, or they don't like that they didn't wake up feeling super alert. And mm. again, like, what's your dosage? How are you taking it? Yeah. Um, it's a lot up in the air.
0: So is CPN something that people will start to notice? Like, is that being put on labels now? Or is uh, is it still kind of?
1: Um, I would say so. Yeah. Um, So at Nanocraft, we have our sleep CBD and we actually have CBN and CBD in it. So that's kind of how I first came, came onto it. And I was kind of seeing that, seeing it on LinkedIn. Um, That's the only social media I have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm probably not the one to say if it's super (laughs) trendy right now, but from what I've been reading and seeing on, on LinkedIn, um, companies are becoming more interested in it now. And I, Mm -hmm. I'm like, from what I've read, that was the first cannabinoid kind of discovered. And I'm like, finally the little guy's getting attention. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Because most people know THC and CBD, not CBN.
0: Yeah, I just never thought of CBN and so I never really looked for it. So I'm wondering, I'm like gonna go look at my CBD products and see if it says anything about it. It might
1: be in there. It might be in small traces. Um, It it might be. Um, Also to get just a CBN product or in um, a crystallized CBN would be mm-hmm. very, very expensive. Yeah. To my knowledge, not a lot of companies make that wow. because it is in such minute amounts. So, yeah. Okay. Ooh,
2: okay. Um,
1: so a lot of that I don't have extensive knowledge to provide mm-hmm. to you how those mechanistically work. So I try and keep up to date with the latest literature coming out Especially mechanistic approaches with these, because it's it's all different. It's all yeah. new. Well, um, what, like I said, one study is going to say this, one study is going to say that, and I'm like, to me, I would rather see that than every study says a works, a works, a works, a works.
2: Yeah.
1: Hey, okay, let's say hit is the thing. High intensity interval training. Everybody nice. wants to do hit. Yeah. All of these studies show that, you know, this improves VO2 X, Y, and Z. I pull from that and say, okay, this is great. If I have a patient or a client that's interested in this, I assess where their aerobic capacity is at now, and I'd love to work there. And are they open to doing this? What are the health parameters? Are there any medical conditions? I extrapolate that little bit of information and can apply it in the cannabis research that I, you know, it's coming out with one study saying this, one study saying that I see that as a light bulb, as a researcher of cool. I want to continue answering or investigating that same question they have, because clearly there are other things going on mechanistically that maybe we don't understand yet, or this investigation wasn't able to get to. Mm -hmm. I want to keep looking at that because I don't feel confident yet to tell a patient X, Y, and Z is what you need to be using to this extent. And so I can easily relate that to health research because
2: Mm
1: -hmm. things can be trendy or, oh, Mm -hmm. Sally does Sally this hit and it works for her. And she lost 10 pounds. I'm going to do that. And I'm like, (laughs) that may not work for you.
0: Yeah. I love hearing you talk about that because people now are doing their own research. They don't do it for a living. So they have to just go off of what they're reading, but they might not know the context of all those things. And so hearing you say that, I haven't gone in depth with that, but that's something what I wanna do because it's really all about the mindset of how you approach everything that you're going to research, right? Can you speak a little bit about that in your experience?
1: Yes, so I think for one, mindset is a really important thing, whether that's something you cognitively think about every day and you are a words of affirmation person, or subconsciously, you're like, oh, I'm feeling really down today. How you view and perceive everything is the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm sure you're familiar with, like, placebo effect.
2: Yeah.
1: So let's say patient A takes a Advil a day, mm-hmm. and they swear that it helps them. Just mm-hmm. like how we were saying there could be a patient that raves about CBD.
2: Mm-hmm. No.
1: To what extent it helps them percentage-wise this much physiologically, this much mentally, we may not be sure, they may not be sure, but the awareness that I'm potentially taking something that either helped me one time, physically helps me every day, or mentally helps me every day, it doesn't matter because people still think that it's going to provide benefit to them, for instance. So we're Mm -hmm. seeing that a lot with CBD. If people go into it, Oh, this I'm gonna get high, or I don't know what's gonna happen, or this is cannabis. What if somebody finds out and like Mm. cannabis isn't isn't okay in my culture? You may potentially have more negative experiences, or you may not perceive it as well because you went into that experience, yeah, thinking about all of the things you didn't want to happen. Yeah. Um, which may or may not be the case, but I think the potential for it to like what we've been reading with providing mental clarity, providing mental relaxation, improving well-being, to a degree, those are happening. So sub- happening subconsciously, which I think is beautiful because I've given friends uh, or family members CBD and they're like, I don't feel anything. And I'm like, well, I'm going to ask you how you feel tomorrow. And I just want you to see how you felt. Oh, well, I guess I just kind of felt, I just felt a little lighter. And I'm like, you didn't even think about that because maybe it was having an effect on you and you just kind of, your body felt like it could breathe a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so mentally, I think there's so much potential for benefit because it comes from a plant.
2: Yeah. So in
1: my head, it's yeah. better than taking a pharmaceutical. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not against pharmaceuticals. I, I do believe yeah. they can help some people and, and do certain people need to be on there for certain things. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But let's say, um, you're a student and you're generally healthy and you're like, Oh, wow. Well, maybe if I try CBD, this will like help me focus when I need to study or
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, turn my brain off at the end of the day. I think the potential for it to, to help mentally can, can be beneficial. And I've really been hearing that from athletes, like winding down after practice. Um, And physically, they need to show up as their best every day, especially when I interviewed the Olympic athletes, like you have to be your best every day. And one bad day of practice can take you one less, like you're one step back behind when it comes to your Olympic trials. And so the athletes reported like, yeah, I, it helped me a lot. Like I took it before practice. It became a superstitious thing that I did because it mentally helped calm me. And the researcher me was like, okay, how much of that is because you went into the mindset of this is going to help me. Yeah. And what percentage of that is actually helping you? And if it does, how does it work? And I think these are all really important things mm-hmm. to ask because at the end of the day, Physiologically, I can't provide you with a metric that makes a difference, but I can say I had all of your athletes do a visual analog scale assessment Mm -hmm. and they all reported positive feelings after an extremely hard workout. That's valuable information because we know how high athlete burnout is. We know how athletes are like Simone Biles as she came out and stepped away from performing right because Mm -hmm. she wanted to focus on her mental health. Yeah why do we hold these athletes to such a pedestal almost as if they're superhuman
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: when they show humanistic qualities why are we so quick to judge or harsh on them Um, and, and so sports sports psychology sports nutrition all of these aspects that are huge supporters on the pyramid that maybe don't get the attention that the head coach for Alabama's football team gets, you know, because he's the the forefront of what the team looks like. Mm -hmm. All of the supporting beams under that are all adding to athlete success. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that in the research, those things are finally being included as important and relevant things to look into because we can mitigate athlete burnout on the mental level. Mm -hmm. How much better will they view or actually perform physically?
0: Yeah. A lot of research comes from you know, very sports or athletic base, right? Because that's where we get a lot of data from. Um, but in terms of having conversations about CBD and with THC, and it just seems like it's such a stigma still, right? And just recently with, uh, I think, the track star runner who was disqualified, how does yeah. you as a researcher, how do you think we can have those conversations where it doesn't become like, see, this is why we shouldn't, or this is why we should,
1: we need educators, and I hope mm-hmm. that someday I can be that person mm-hmm. hypothetically that a sports team calls in and I educate you about CB, I educate you about CBN, I educate you on what these look like and whatever in a NCAA like WADA, whatever regulation you're in. This yeah. is what you can do, this is how I want you to do it safely. I think education is such a powerful tool for anything. If we can provide people information, they can choose how they want to perceive it and receive it. And what they do with that, there's so much more autonomy in the consumer. There's so much more knowledge there. So hypothetically, I go there, A coach knows they're using it. We know this, we know athletes are using it. So why is it being shunned? Mm -hmm. How about if we create an awareness, we educate athletes on potential side effects, potential risks you know, potentially getting drug tested during season, what this looks like. There's an equal playing field of, okay, I'm aware of the risks. These are the potential side effects. I've been educated on these by X, Y, and Z person. If this happens, I'm aware. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know why sports are still viewing cannabis and CBD as the rat in the closet,
2: Mm -hmm. like,
1: Uh, that I know I see it slowly changing I do see it slowly changing, but why, why not talk about it? Why are athletes getting suspended for THC? I, you know, the question is, is it a performance enhancing drug? Is -hmm. it a supplement? Like, can it provide athletes a benefit that, you know, shouldn't be legal because somebody else, they could have a better, better time trial than someone else. Mm. Um, I, I think more research needs to look at if that's actually true. Mm -hmm. Maybe that'll get us to convince more of these regulations to be loosely defined. But then that's the thing. WADA approved CBD in 2018. The NCAA still says no, no, no. And then you have the IOC, the international Olympic committee Mm -hmm. where it's okay, if it's under 0.3% THC. So I'm like one, the athletes don't know about these regulations or limitations or yes or no in their industry. Mm -hmm. Should this all be equalized? You know, what does this look like? know they're taking it. Why why is there a stigma that it's not okay? Why?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the education part, like you said, is the biggest thing. And I think having conversations like this, hearing that is the best thing because people don't really go into it. They just kind of take it and they don't really think about it. But the fact that like, people don't really read the labels. And they just kind of go through things and, and not really see what kind of changes yeah. happen, right? And that's difficult because that's just like, oh, just yeah. put it in your tub or just put two drops. But it's like, what does those two drops mean though?
1: Yeah. So one of my favorite things is the, the gateway of education, mm. um, which has naturally been my professional course of life. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that I can use it as a tool um, I don't think education equates intelligence at all, Yeah. but how you utilize it and provide it as a resource, um, has, has heavily affected my life from like sharing my bodybuilding experience and those resources. But if I can provide athletes, consumers, parents, edu- like anyone that wants to know about CBD, I give them general information. I've now allowed them the opportunity and autonomy to choose how to respond. Okay, I have the knowledge. Now I can choose what I'm going to buy based off of this criterion. Um, I'm going to try this because I think this will help me in this regard. Mm-hmm. By allowing and opening that door for education, that allows people more opportunity, versus I don't provide the education. They don't know what they're getting. They're going to get some type of response they're going to ingest or take something they aren't Mm -hmm. going to know what to expect and that element of surprise may be negative and they may not do it again versus you know providing someone the information gives them the power and choice to choose how to respond versus me just taking that away because they don't have the education
0: yeah there's this guy that i found that he kind of collects a lot of the pain research and He started out as a massage therapist and I read one time this was like six years ago I read some of his, uh, one of his articles, and it kind of busted a lot of myths that massage does. And I kind of went down the rabbit hole because there was like there's a lot of buzzwords that people use and then does that really mean that and to be honest there was like a lot of research that doesn't and so. What was interesting is it changed the way I communicate that with my clients. So whenever they say, oh, is this kind of working out or not? Or is this going to decrease like information, whatever? I'm like, well, I don't know. It could be. But what I'm doing, me just even touching this area, who's to say like your brain is... Firing things like something's going on here, so I'm just going to send information over there and what it do its thing. And so for me as a as a practitioner, I don't know exactly what's happening, right? I'm not in the lab like taking samples, but I know that just by going in that area or bringing awareness and or talking about it, there's there's another layer that's happening that's out of my control. And I think who's to say that that's also contributing to the recovery, the health, the the changes, the positive things that are happening there. Um, And that's why I always defer to like the research and like, okay, well, let's look at that. And the the language, like you say, the gateway to communicating that I think is valuable, having more people talk about it that way so that people don't take those words and be like, okay, this is what they told me and this is what it does. No, it's like, there's just an awareness there now. And that's what we work with.
1: Right. Yes, and I, I very much got into research with a narrow scope of, oh, I want to answer questions. I want to get definitive <laughs> answers. And yeah. then as I continued to be involved in research, even if it was just like me assisting with data collection, me helping with this, I just love that sometimes there aren't any definitive answers, and it's just another reason for us to do research. So I think one of the best pieces of advice I got in undergrad was if anybody that gives you a definitive statement, a definitive claim, whether it's on social media or in person, you should take it with a grain of salt because maybe it just worked for them and they swear by it and that's great. But I want to see the research. What makes you think that's the end all be all? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I did have social media, I saw this all the time. This diet works for everybody. I lost 10 pounds doing this. And I'm like, okay, that's so great. But we need contextualization here. My body is nothing like yours. So it's such research is really just such an ebb and flow, um, which I love. And I look back to undergrad me and I'm like, that's so funny. I really wanted definitive answers from research. And I'm now at the (laughs) point where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see when we're done and we're analyzing the data what was my hypothesis again? Because you'll just get so, you take out that, you know, potential bias Mm -hmm. and you're like, wow, this is what our data is saying to us. And then I'll, you know, backtrack like, oh, what did we perceive? What did we think was going to happen? Oh, I forgot through that process that we thought that, or like, I wonder how we came to that assumption at the beginning or like, what parts were we missing? And this is the data now. And, um, I just think that's so important that people pull tidbits of information from different sources. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a practitioner, you're certified or pass certain exams to achieve whatever status it is. So I hope that there is an equal understanding or foundational understanding of how do I take information Mm -hmm. and apply this to my specific population, which takes time, definitely takes time and skill and how much weight do I put on that one research finding? Yeah. Does that apply to the population I'm working with? Yeah. Um, if that patient wants to know more, what kind of resources am I pulling? So again, mm-hmm. like the resource belt with the tools is so important here. I think yeah. really in any, any type of health or mental field you're in, of course, you're going to get a patient with all kinds of different things or a client. And you know, if you, I think a valuable thing is if I can't provide you something, that's not a, that's not a deficit of me. Mm-hmm. I love that I can connect with people and provide you to X, Y, and Z. This person can help you with this. Um, this is a resource. This is beyond the scope of what I can provide. Here you go.
0: I shared a quote in one of your um, writing where it was depth over data, souls over stats I love that quote. I have never heard oh, that. Right. And, and I thought that was so true. Um, Cause that might like, what I want you to kind of speak on is in a world full of information and then just the time we're in right now where information, it's there's a good and bad thing to it. What does stillness uh, look like for you? And how do, how do you incorporate that being a researcher?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I think I got depth depth over data soul over stats from a J from Jay Shetty think like okay. a monk I, I I can't pin it down exactly but I I read it I was like that perfectly describes me because that kind of goes back to when we when we first got on here that there are things I enjoy in life and those happen to be my occupations but at the end of the day it's not who I am those are mm-hmm. things I enjoy mm-hmm. and so I think the depth that I can provide to data, for example, is so much more enriching for me as a practitioner that I can apply that to someone. And so over stats is at the end of the day, like we're all human. And if I can provide you what these stats say, and then how can we translate that to you and you specifically is a really important skill that I think as humans, whatever profession we're in is so, so valuable because It's a humanistic thing. And as all this AI comes out and all of this data, like you're saying, we're missing the emotion. We're missing the genuineness. We're missing the authenticity of the benefit of connection and communication Mm. to other people. So Stillness, uh, Mm -hmm. Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday is still my favorite book. Mm. And the book really talks about the importance of sitting by yourself, sit in a room by yourself for 60 seconds. Don't be on your phone, don't do anything and see how loud your brain yells at you Mm -hmm. because we're always distracted and consumed with information and notifications and texting and things. So how many of us can sit with ourselves and talk nicely, have conversations, reflect on what we want, what we don't want. And in that stillness, when I first encourage people, start with 60 seconds in the morning. Start with 30 seconds. Um, There's a richness that happens in this in-between. So when you're sitting there and you're you're consciously maybe thinking about something you need to do or you want to do because our brain instantly goes into this process of the next thing, there's a richness that happens when you get to know yourself a little bit better in this space. Um, and it's almost something that I have a hard time speaking on because I just want you to experience it. Mm -hmm. Um, so silence in the morning and meditation is really important to my practice and how I go through my day because I can be so busy with the data or the homework assignments or prepping to teach my next lecture. But if I start the day with a check-in with myself, how am I feeling? Where am I mentally at? I can provide myself a little more grace throughout the day you know i feel like i kind of woke up i didn't sleep that well i'm gonna expect a little less of myself today i'm still gonna try my best but i have a good understanding and i had a talk with myself this morning (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm not maybe not gonna do my best like all out today but it's gonna be enough Mm -hmm. um and so i think with all these distractions Mm -hmm. especially the social media thing if you get rid of that, things become so much more saturated. And I, and I know there's benefit to social media and people use that as a financial platform. And the conversations and connections I've made with people since I've been off the grid have been even better. If I want to send you a picture, it's only going to you because I want you to experience that 2% of what I did that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opportunities that I've got to connect with different companies and be interviewed and share the holistic sides of me on paper. Like I'm an academic and researcher. I think it's so important that I have and flow, just like what I do in my career. Um, mm-hmm. if I was, if I was hundred percent okay. on all the time in every aspect of my life, I would have burnt out five years ago. Yeah. Which I did. I did. Because Uh when I was bodybuilding, I was hardcore. Hardcore 24-7. And if you would have told me to sit down for 60 seconds and not do something, I would have walked out. Because I couldn't. I needed distraction. I needed things. I needed to do something at all times. That that busyness uh, pill that is like influenced in our society is so detrimental. So enjoying the stillness mm-hmm. is a special thing if you can say for yourself
0: yeah because i mean it is kind of a scary thing to just sit by yourself it just, is in your in your thoughts like that is a daunting task for somebody but i, I would say like it's scary no matter how well you you've gotten at being good with stillness there's still a lot of things that come in your experiences outside forces that might, you know your relationships with people and yep. i I feel like once you feel like you are too busy or there's just a lot going on in your life, all these things coming at you and you're like, wait yeah. a minute, have I ever had a moment of stillness in a while? No, I haven't. And and no. I think those times are the times you want to try to try to be in there because it might not be the time you want to, but it's it's probably necessary.
1: Yes. And I, I loathe the term, I'm busy. I'm so busy.
0: <laughs> Me too. Me too. Because
1: <laughs> we all have the same 24 hours. If yep. We're using time as a construct. Yeah. We all have the same 24 hours and I do have three jobs and I'm in school full time. So of course the reaction it from people, "Oh, you're so busy." And I'm like, mm. "I'm not. We all have the same 24 hours. Priorities are a big thing in your life. Yeah. Even if you can't name them, what you do every day is a subconscious priority that you put on your list. Of
2: course, And yeah. everything
1: that I do contributes to one of my cups of something I love, something I love, something I love. So the saying, you'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do. I agree with that to an extent mm-hmm.
2: because yes. everything
1: I do adds a little bit to something that I enjoy. So I'm not, yeah. and again, it's with the mindset. I, I love that I'm getting to do this for two hours. I'm loving that I'm getting to teach undergrads. I'm loving that I get to do some data analysis today. Um, and even if there's going to be parts in life and things that we do that we don't like, but as long as there are parts that are so good, that's what we should focus on. Not the bad apple that falls out of the tree. How about all of the other apples that are thriving from the tree? Yes. It's that mindset and perspective shift we get to wake up today Mm -hmm. we hope we do who knows but going to bed and thinking i get to wake up tomorrow i don't have to wake up i get to that's something that our body physiologically we just wake up i mean a lot of times we have an alarm but like we get to wake up we get another chance to do today however it may look that's something that even like subconsciously so i'll say people are like Okay, Kirsten, that's that's, that's the emphasis and steroids I want you to put on getting to do things every day if we get the chance. Like, what is it you like to do? Do that. Do that at least once every day. Yeah. Whatever that may be.
0: Yeah. What are things you can kind of leave uh, the listener with in terms of CBD and what it is and how to look for it or what to keep in mind?
1: Uh, So if you're interested in CBD, I don't know if I would necessarily head to Amazon, (laughs) I would start going on Google and doing your research. And by that, I mean, you know, top CBD companies, CBD for whatever your intention is. So before you even start searching, what's your intention? You know, write that down, uh, have a conversation with someone. Um, I want more mental calmness. Well, you know, I have knee pain. I had surgery. Uh, and then when you go to Google search for that CBD for pain, uh, CBD for, uh, mental calmness, even if you don't get a website with a certain product, you're going to get some type of blog or some type of educational material that you can learn more that maybe you can navigate through there. Um, another thing I would look for is how do you want to take it and and then do some more searching of, okay, if I want to take an oil. How long does it take for CBD oil to get in your system? Um, I want to take a topical. What does that look like? Um, look for companies that have COAs, certificates of analysis and no. or quality of assurances. KOs. Okay. QOAs. Okay, This will show the breakdown of what's in that specific product. What percentages of cannabinoids are in there? What percentages of MCT oil or sunflower oil Um and it will show that it has been approved to be under 0.3% THC. These are really important documents that most companies don't have. This is the third party laboratories that are analyzing their products and telling you, we don't know anything about like this company's products, but according to the science, this is what's in this product, this is safe, this meets the below amount of THC threshold. So you definitely want to look for those when you're looking for products. Um, And again, recommendation for dosage, Mm -hmm. talk with your physician. Um, Are you on medication? Um, How sensitive are you to medication? These are all things that you need to keep into account when it comes to taking uh, a new CBD product. Um, And most of the times there will be recommendations on whatever product you get. And I would, in a very general sense, take with a grain of salt take half of that go very very low and slow very very low and slow
0: and so i know you're not on social but how can people con- uh, like follow your journey and maybe yeah. connect with what you write about
1: yeah i uh, i'm on linkedin
0: okay. so
1: kirsten thornhill you can find me on LinkedIn. if you google my name that's the first thing that comes up um i i try and be pretty active on there i post if i'm writing for cannabis or cd or recent features i've had talking about it um i'm also on clubhouse
2: oh cool a little
1: bit um which is i don't know if you're familiar but it's like a a live podcasting kind of kind of source where it actually is is very educational for people interested in learning more about cannabis it's kind of blown up on that platform So people will get on there and talk about it, whether it's super informal, like, uh, you know, people who use cannabis type of groups, but then there's also like cannabis and science groups and you can kind of just pop in and listen to people talk about it. That's about it.
0: That's cool. I feel like we just tapped on a little bit of cannabis and CBD world because there's like other things that I would want to ask you about, but I think this is a good intro for people just to know how to start that process because I'm sure there will be like tons of yeah. questions after this as we've talked already there's just kind of more more work to be done pretty much right
1: yeah. <laughs> I'll say this is such a special time for our field because yeah. it's like we know the door is there we're walking towards the door how do we open it when we open it what happens so yeah. most people have discouraged me from going down this route because mm. It's not necessarily the status quo. Um, It's not, you know, following my ducks in a line. I'm a PhD student. I'm supposed to be doing blah, blah, blah. Um, And I I just see this as a huge opportunity because I'm Mm -hmm. not going into this to prove I'm right or to be Mm -hmm. known as this CBD girl with that, well, sure. But I want to go in to just provide information. Yeah research, investigate and, and add to this body of literature, whether it's what I hypothetically want it to say or not, I'm not in it to only answer the questions I want. Um, and I think that for the general sense, the people that are also going into this investigation with cannabis and CBD and sport performance have the same mentality. We mm. know athletes are using it. We just need to tell people what's actually happening in a research study.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad. And I think about the researchers that were during that gap that you talked about, are they still working on it now since it's kind of coming back around?
1: I would hope so.
0: Um,
1: I I know, I know very, very surface, very entry, um, kind of just from what I've read and, you know, the people I've talked to and connected with. um, And from what I've seen from LinkedIn, it is funny, though, because people that have been in this industry and been researching cannabis forever, they're like, Come on people, just because it's trending right now. Like I've been saying this for years. Exactly. Um, so yeah. I, a lot of people recently reached out to me and they're like, "Kristen, we saw that CBD helps potentially prevent blank virus." And um mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, it has anti-inflammatory and antiviral effects. I guess I could see how it could be a potential. I just mm-hmm. love that there's research out there supporting this as a potential. You know, mm-hmm. and I know some people, from what I've heard, social media is saying it prevents it, like mm-hmm. very definitive things. And I'm like, oh, let's take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. It could be helpful. Um, but yeah, I've I've always been a supporter of what CBD has the potential for. Yeah. I think it's kind of the underdog that's 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 making leeway um in a lot of different avenues.
0: Mm-hmm. Potential being the key word. <laughs>
1: It, it really is yeah. and potentially therapeutic potential may, you know, those are really important keywords because I don't yeah. want to make specific claims. Uh, Cause again, social media has the potential to just, this is what was said. Let's only pull these two yeah. things when there's a whole picture behind it. Wow. Um, there is so much potential. Potential yeah. is, is definitely the keyword.
0: Yeah. That's kind of a good life life lesson too a little bit (laughs) it's perspective potential yeah right (laughs) it is Um, it's
1: like what what are you going to make of this yeah exactly what what are you going to pull from this how are you going to extrapolate this and share this information i think that also says a lot about a person or a hypothetical entity or whatever how how you share Or leave things open for interpretation is really important.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kirsten. That was a great conversation I had with you, and I hope we can do it again. But yeah, thank you for your time and just sharing what you've learned and your story a little bit.
1: Well, I really appreciate you having me. I, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge, but I I do feel that I can share just kind of what life has turned out to be. And so I really appreciate
0: you like wanting to share this platform with me. Awesome. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of This Undefined. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Share the voice. And if you want more content to explore, as well as follow other projects we're working on, go to the website at www.thekilosproject.com. And follow us on Instagram at The Kilos Project. Till next time, train, recover, create.